Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello. Hi. Welcome Hello. back. To- oh, hi. Sorry, I was going to say something. No, you're <laughs> totally fine. Welcome back to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Emily Beijing. I am your other host, Marga Poupard, and today we are joined by a very special guest, Wit from the Duff Enough podcast. Hi, hi. how are you guys? Good. Good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. This is my first time actually being a guest on the podcast. So that's why when you were all saying hello at the beginning, I was like, hello, because I'm so used to just hosting. So this is great. I love it. Oh, we love it, too. Don't worry. This is supposed to be all natural. We're we're all good. We're all friends. It's great. Exactly. Yes. Uh, so, Wit, you are, as Margot said, the host and producer of Duff Enough, the ultimate Hillary Duff fan podcast. Uh, how We are so excited to have you today because we're obviously talking about a really exciting topic, considering that our queen, Miss Duff, has been in the news lately a lot with her new show, How I Met Your Father. Um, but today we're going to focus mainly on her fabulous recording career uh, that has spanned um, decades at this point. Uh, So we are so excited you joined us today. And yeah, I think the best thing we can really do here is just kind of go into a little icebreaker and see, obviously, as a host of a podcast dedicated to Hilary Duff, she is near and dear to your heart. But in terms of, you know, where you got your first taste of Hillary Duff as a singer, you know, what's your relationship there? Did you own the albums? Did you go to any concerts? We'd love to hear a little more. Oh, absolutely. Well, I sadly did not go to any Hillary Duff concerts as a child. I was deprived. It is so sad. And I never <laughs> let my parents live that down. But I did have all the albums. I remember the album release dates and what I was doing and where I was. And I have a story for each one. And <gasps> yes, longtime fan. And one of the great things about Duff Enough was not just revisiting all her work, but getting to reminisce about 
all the memories I had associated with each album, with each movie. And yeah, I mean, like with Metamorphosis, for example, my original copy of Metamorphosis, uh, our car was broken into and someone stole it. And I mean, I know that they were ready to pawn that Hillary Duff CD. Um, but, that secondhand you know, market, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I'll never forget that. And I had to get a new one. And I felt like such a a lame fan for going. It was like a year after Metamorphosis had been out. And I had to go to Walmart and get a new copy. And I was like, man, I am just the worst fan for not having this album already. Um, But yeah, and and the same with all her other albums, something special, like the most wanted when that came out the day after I was having like sinus surgery. And so I have something to go along with every single album. It's, it's amazing. And it's crazy that those things have stuck with me. But because I am such a big Hilary Duff fan, I think that I will carry these memories for the rest of my life. It's, It's very strange. I'm very intertwined with with Miss Duff. But I'm not mad about it. You know, she is our queen. She's so. our queen. How, how about you, Margot? Did you own any Hilary Duff albums or go to any of her concerts? I had most wanted. And then I and then after that, it was like on streaming because I do remember when Breathe In, Breathe Out came, me and my coworkers all like gathered around together to listen to it. Yes. So, yeah. I, and I probably had the Lizzie McGuire soundtrack, but due to moves, it probably got lost in the shuffle. And at some point I I stopped keeping track or I'm not as dedicated as wit. I didn't go out and, and buy a replacement. Um, it pro- probably had songs like on different mix mixtapes, like burned mix CDs. That was like a mm-hmm. big way of wearing mm-hmm. Hillary Duff mm-hmm. songs versus albums. But most wanted, I have a, a fair a, a special fond memory that it like had come out and a friend of mine she had thrown a party the night before and we had just gotten the album we were like blasting it in her car to like get coffee the next morning at this big party and then we were like cleaning up her house <laughs> due to the party that we threw there and just like singing every single song together so that whole album has like a soft spot it just you know it, it definitely has like main character energy you know like I gotta run down the street I gotta like sit in my car and look outside and contemplate i just it's it's an album that you listen to with two hands over a coffee mug that's a way better story than me going to get surgery so i'm happy that you had that experience for most wanted (laughs) thank you um i sadly i think only owned one hillary duff album between my sister and me i think one of us owned metamorphosis and maybe maybe lizzie mcguire soundtrack but it is one of those things where I liked Hilary Duff back then, but re-listening to her music for this podcast episode, I am just like, a lot of this has stood the test of time. Like it actually mm-hmm. is still very good pop music and is very enjoyable. I found myself singing along, having a great time. And I think that kind of segues into an, our next question, which is, do you guys have favorite songs or albums and have those changed since you first were getting into Hillary Duff? We're starting with me. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Favorite song is a little easier. It's the song Shine from her self-titled album. And uh-huh. I want to get that. Yeah, I want to get that as a tattoo, actually. Just the word shine. Um, and I think that song, it was just super inspirational. And as a kid, it it made me think of my best friend who we're still best friends till this day. So I always tell her that, but, and she was the guest on the first episode of, of Deaf Enough actually. So 
yeah, that's my favorite song. And then the album question, this one's tough because I've never said on Duff Enough, I've never picked like a favorite album. It's almost too hard. And I was debating today. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be controversial and actually say what <gasps> this could scoop. be. Exclusive mm. scoop. And I had to really think about it because, you know, Metamorphosis and Most Wanted, Self-Titled, great nostalgia attached to those. And Dignity too, nostalgia a little bit. But Dignity for me from a critical standpoint, is her best album. Mm-hmm. I've said I think it's the best work of her career when you factor in movies and TV and, and everything. But I don't know. Breathe in, breathe out. I just find myself listening to that one more. And I think it's because it's lighter and it's just easier to go to anytime. So I'm going to be really controversial here and say that even though Dignity is her best album, Breathe In, Breathe Out is my favorite. Ooh, okay. Okay. I said okay. it. <laughs> Emily, do you have a favorite album? Yeah, I mean, look, I think for me, it might be her self-titled. Like, I just think it was a lot of fun. Um, and actually, I would say Fly is my one of my favorite tracks. And I did, I'd forgotten that this was a Cara Diaguardi track. Like, she mm-hmm. wrote it. Um, and for those of you who don't know, I mean... Cara Diagrati is like basically the songwriter of the early to mid 2000s. She co-wrote most of Kelly Clarkson's breakaway album for context. Um, So she's just like, you know, songwriter royalty. And there's a lot of Diagrati on this album, which is, I think, why I like it so much. How about you, Margot? I have to agree with Wit. I think Breathe In, Breathe Out is my favorite album. Like, it, it's definitely the one that I'm always like, I don't think she gets enough credit for, I wouldn't say, like, being one of the first, but, like, uh, kind of coming close to, like, pop folk. Mm-hmm. Like, she happened to, like, move away from pop rock into pop folk kind of, like, seamlessly. And, I mean, I... J- like wrote a joke earlier and I was like oh yeah Hillary Duff walked so that Phoebe Bridgers could run but I mean there is some like there is some like Taylor Swift pop folk DNA in there and I feel like she did I feel like it's not necessarily a cohesive album but it has the best songs and like what was saying it's also very light and that's what I kind of like about it and we, like she's not like a singer like I feel like this is closer to like what she's really good at is like this blend of like up tempo with some like mid-tempo ballads that are a little folksy and I, I I like that album and I could see myself going back to it now that I've revisited it recently um, I could see myself revisiting it more as time goes on but I think that my favorite song is the remix of Come Clean there are just some songs it's like off of Most Wanted there are just some songs that kind of like follow you like so to go back to the uh, original story of listening to most wanted, like that song was like, we were like dancing to it. It's like kind of like a more, I wouldn't say sad song, but it's like meant to be kind of like reflective, but it has this like club beat to it in this remix that I find very funny. That reminds me of that Lindsay Lohan daughter to father club remix that Danny Pellegrino recently resurfaced that I'd also forgotten about. And so hearing these songs in the club, like (laughs) for a time after that was just sort of always really funny to me. Like while everybody was like truly dropping it low to like a remix of come clean, I'm stifling a laughter because it just reminds me of like throwing away pizza boxes and like, you know, doing lip syncing with my girlfriends and everybody's like, uh, come and clean. Uh, 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 and the beat drops and you're just like, this doesn't make sense to me. So, Anyway, that's my favorite song just because I think it's like a funny club remix. Uh, you guys both brought up a few times um, Most Wanted, which is a fantastic album. 
It begs the question, though, at what point is someone allowed to release the greatest hits album? And I <laughs> and I preface this with, I know this was not Queen Hillary's fault. I bet you Disney was just like, how can we oh, get no. more money out of these tweens? Uh, but in all honesty, at what point should we be allowed to release a greatest hits album? Yeah, I know. And and really quick, I, I should have jumped in there and said that Hillary Duff did indeed. She was ahead of the folk pop curve, and it's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Joanne came out after that. And then when folklore oh, was coming, yes. it was like, if, if Taylor Swift drops a folk pop album right now, which it wasn't quite, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yes. But your question about the compilation and the be- the best of Most Wanted. Okay, I... I'm in agreement with you that this was a Disney Hollywood Records decision. I think that based on what happened with her second album, the self-titled, I look back on that and I feel like it didn't get as much promotion. It kind of got stuck in between a Cinderella story and Raise Your Voice. For sure. So when she had these new songs that she had written with Good Charlotte and her boyfriend at the time, Joel Madden, she had these new songs and they were like, well, we don't have a full album, but let's just throw a compilation together, call it her most wanted, her favorite tracks. She's going out on the tour. We'll just make this a whole big thing. And I think that's what happened. But because the second album didn't get as much promo, it still went number two on the Billboard 200. But because maybe some people missed it, I guess it kind of worked. But I don't know. I mean, was she was she ready for a best of album? Even her her the, the literal album Best of Hillary Duff. Did she even really need that? No. But that was kind of the end of her Hollywood Records mm-hmm. career. So I think that's why she had that even. But yeah, yeah most of it, it was it was a little soon for a best of album. It's probably in terms of that greatest hits album, there is probably a bit of that like contractual obligation. Like I'm pretty sure Taylor Swift, you know, did the same thing so she could end her relationship with Big Machine or a lot of a lot of artists will do that if they're just like fed up with the label that they're currently with. And they're like, well, I need one more album that I'm like contractually obligated to. Let me just release this greatest hits and call it a day. So that that very well could be it. Um, What do you think, Margot? I guess it's less of what I think and more of like a question of what you guys think. Do you think they wouldn't let her do like an EP? Because it feels like she had like four or five new songs, right, on this like best of. Do you think that they were just like, well, we could repackage it, make it a full album and make more money that way? Or do you think they just like wouldn't let her just do an EP with Good Charlotte? Yeah, I think they were like, we got to get a full album out of this. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is time is ticking. She's she's getting out of that tween market and we got to capture it before she does. And yeah, that's what I think it was because an EP, I don't I can't think of any like tween pop stars who put out an EP. Right. That's Um, like more like when you're transitioning out of being a tween. I think they probably still wanted to market to them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's that's my guess. That's for sure. I think you're right. I mean, it's I don't know. If it's contractually obligated, it's like it doesn't really matter if it is too soon or not. It's like what the contract dictates. I don't really know if that's something that she necessarily would have done. It obviously seemed like she was leaning like like I asked, like towards like a an EP era, but it was probably too soon for what they wanted and they wanted to milk a full album. And I don't think like Witt had pointed out, I don't think it's uncommon that at the most of some of these contracts, especially Hollywood records, the way that they seem to do things because it happened to like Selena Gomez and Miley Cyrus mm-hmm. when they were getting out of their contracts is to do this like best of and just sort of like wrap it up and shove them out the door. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, Selena Gomez had that too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's um that's actually kind of a great topic right there, which is just like, you know, Hillary Duff in many ways kind of drew up the blueprint for what a Disney teen star does by just mm-hmm. being the star of a TV show. Um, how do you think the people who've kind of followed in her footsteps afterwards uh, steered that course? Like, how did they stay true to that, you know, model? And how did they differ? Like, and I'm thinking about Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, um, and and many of those other actors uh, who kind of were, you know, okay, you're going to be our star. So we're going to give you a record, a recording contract, we're going to give you all these opportunities. Yeah, I mean, she really did lay the groundwork, obviously. And in the saying about, you know, Hillary Duff walked so Miley Cyrus could run kind of thing, because I just think that Hillary, Lizzie McGuire, it was such a big phenomenon. But really, if you look at Hannah Montana, if you look at High School Musical, I think those are probably two of the biggest kid show phenomenons we've ever had, movie phenomenons, DCOMs, Disney Channel. So I think she definitely was the blueprint. And it's like Miley, Selena, Demi, they all were just waiting to to come in and take it to the next level. Because Hillary, you know, she we we, we go to her for great pop music, but she she definitely fell into the singing thing. It wasn't necessarily her passion, I feel like, in the same way as Miley was very much a natural singer. Demi was very much a natural singer, I feel like. Um, and so, yeah, she, I think Hillary is the one who made it cool or you had to, you had to do the show. You had to do the music. You had to do it all. And those girls just really ran with it. And also social media was coming in. So it was a different time. Um, I think it's really interesting how Hillary, no one would take her seriously, of course, because when she was on, she was, you know, it was Disney. We're not going to take that seriously. We're not going to put that on the radio. Even with Miley and and Selena and Demi, it took a long time for them to even get out of that teen Disney phase where people took them seriously. And of course, you know, Miley had to do a whole transition. But uh, now it's, it, I mean, Zendaya, look at Zendaya. Now it's, you come from Disney, that's respect, I feel like. So, I mean, I think she laid the groundwork and... I, I don't know. I have lots of thoughts on that, and it's a great conversation, but I'd love to hear what y'all have to say. Yeah, Marco, what do you think? I completely agree with everything Wit said. I, I don't really know if I have much to add to that, but I, I think that you can see where her, her career path and all of the other Disney stars that came after her all kind of coincide because, like, what was saying, like, you know, you do the show, you do the starring show, then you do the albums, then you do the movie, then you do, like, your best of. And then you can kind of, like, I think the fact that she was successful after the fact with more music, even though she maybe didn't necessarily get the respect that she deserved initially because she had this Disney pop background or whatever and she had sort of maybe missed the time frame like when Mandy Moore was coming up where she could kind of get like packaged alongside of all of them but she did all right and she managed to even you know later in her music career work with you know Ed Sheeran and Trove Lowe and that's like not for nothing and she's worked with I believe Max Martin in the past so she's had like some pop pedigree but I think that it took a little while to get away from Disney for her career to take off versus Miley where I mean Maybe I don't really have like a great perspective on time, but it feels like Party in the USA wasn't like that far removed from Hannah Montana. And at that point, I maybe Hannah Montana was like, 
I wouldn't say like more of like a pop culture phenomenon. I would say it's like kind of on par with Lizzie McGuire. Oh, go ahead, Emily. I was just going to say, well, I think with Lizzie McGuire, like Hannah Montana, the other thing is just like the music component was just baked in already in the TV show Mm -hmm. versus Lizzie McGuire is very much, in fact, like not she the the purpose of that character she is not a standout in any single thing music in particular is not something she's ever you know known for it being a super strong suit on the show um so i think yeah it was kind of this of uh, this recording contract was presented to her as a well we're you're here now we're going to give you this and she did you know with with it she did quite well for herself i think in my research for this episode, I knew she had sold millions. I didn't realize she had sold 15 million mm-hmm. records. I like yeah. no joke. I mean, it's just it's interesting because for someone who again, and I say this to someone I'm like, she has a good singing voice, but she was not ever meant she was not a singer, you know, as her like go-to thing when she was a child star. So for me to have gone, you know, to have gotten that record deal just because she was a part of the Disney machine and to have sold 15 million albums is a testament to like the music she put out there, which still to this day is very fun. I think what's interesting and what you brought up with was, yeah, that over time, the evolution of the Disney star pipeline um, has been fascinating because we do have Zendaya who is, you know, on her way to winning the EGOT, you know, like at this point she's doing fantastic. And there are others in her shoes who have gone on to do very well for themselves as well. And, you know, gone on to great adult film roles like Selena Gomez was fantastic in Only Murders in the Building. Miley Cyrus has, you know, put out a lot of music that's been acclaimed like Demi Lovato, you know, so on and so forth. It is very interesting that Hilary Duff, because of how early on she was in that time frame and mm-hmm. because of how we treated pop stars back then uh, in a very male dominated music media world where, you know, there have been since then many pitchfork reviews that have been redone because people are like, yeah, we were misogynistic assholes. We late, you know, we gave this album this rating because we couldn't take pop seriously. I think if Hillary Duff had come up now, as a Gen Z Disney star, I think it would have been a very different story. I think she would have not only Mm -hmm. sold the albums that she sold, but also had much more critical acclaim because her music is just like fun pop music. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to your point about her selling 15 million albums and all that, it's really wild sometimes for me to think about how Hillary's music career is actually like numbers wise is bigger than her movie career. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. So Uh, she was very strategic. I think, I mean, she got, she had not one, but two of her songs as theme songs for MTV shows, not only for Laguna Beach, but also my super sweet 16. Mm -hmm. And then for every movie that she put out, regardless of whether or not it was a flop, she, you know, had a single on the album, like for Cinderella story for material girl. So she's kind of like kept it up. I think maybe as opportunities presented themselves versus like pursuing these opportunities necessarily. But regardless of that, she still has been really successful and has managed to continue to make money like as passive income, essentially, by just licensing out her song to major TV shows or major reality shows. Yeah. Oh, man, man. Laguna Beach. Oh, sweet six, my super sweet 16. Yes. That was okay. the one that I had kind of forgotten about because I remember listening to the album and the song came up. and was like, wait, wait. Oh yes. my God! <laughs> to yes. Put the two together. Um, yep. 
Yeah. What a time. I mean, and what's interesting, you brought up a good point, which is that she was able to make a lot of smart business decisions. And I do think I will say this, like, Margo, I think you and I have chatted about this on our podcast in previous episodes, you know, and and what I'm sure you've you may have touched upon this too, is like, yes, Hillary Duff's parents, I think, you know, subsequently uh, divorced and things were not always great. Hence that song, Gypsy Woman. Um, but... Uh, ultimately, she had parents that were not taking advantage of her. She had parents who were not um, shoving her into the spotlight or trying to be her peer, like a Dina Lohan situation. And I think that is ultimately why she was able to kind of steer the course and continue to have success with several albums versus like a one album or a two album type of deal. 100%. I mean, we have a lot of thank yous to Susan Duff yes. for, for that. Yeah. Cause, cause they were not like you used Dina Lohan. I mean, that's not what Hillary was in. And, and Susan, I mean, she, she had a reputation at the time of being the momager, but it really, it paid off for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it, this uh, kind of next topic that I want to talk about, which is, um, Really, as we're talking about Hilary Duff's career, us re-listening to these albums, us thinking of her, you know, she's kind of come back to say what she's thought about the previous music she's released. It's very similar to Mandy Moore's um, attitude about it all, which I think they're both a little embarrassed by their pop careers, which they have they should not be ashamed of because they put both of them put out some fantastic pop music. But um, for you both in re-listening to her discography, are there any songs that are just like weird, problematic, or just are like, yeah, this just doesn't seem to have aged quite as well. Um, And it could be the theme or the thematic nature of it all, or it could even just be like the production of it all. Yeah. Um, I mean, for Metamorphosis, it di- Hillary has said she's called that teeny bopper recently. And there's a little bit of a teeny bopper vibe on, on some of the songs. But and the math is kind of a go to like, really? But I mean, I still love the math personally. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I would love that song if I didn't know it from my childhood. Uh, now as an adult, problematic um, ones that come to mind, of course, Gypsy Woman, which you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's one of her best songs, though. So there's that. And then also Hillary and Haley did a cover of the Siamese Cat song for a Disney oh boy. Mania album. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's a little cringe now, for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are the ones that I had written down there. And like the Siamese cat, it's not even necessarily the song because like you hear the song in the movie and you're like, okay, that's a little. But it was like the digitized meows upon reflection were a misstep. (laughs) Oh, yes. Bad. Uh, to be fair, some of those Disney mania, I mean, it's it's certainly not just them. I think there were several songs on oh, yeah. those compilations that just didn't deserve a a spot on those compilations. Should have no. just been left behind. Um, <laughs> no. I remember one song from her Santa Claus Lane album that was a duet with Lil Romeo, uh, uh. which <laughs> <laughs> I still remember the intro and also the music video um, because they played on Disney Channel. That to me, I think Santa Claus Lane in general probably to me is the cringiness of it, you know, the cringeworthiness of it. Um, Gypsy Woman obviously is probably some lyric choices I wouldn't have made. But like you said, 
a really good song because it is so personal and and is about what was going on in her life in the, at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, but I say this about a lot of holiday albums and I, I'm someone who actually enjoys holiday music, but there are so, you know, there are a few gems in a sea of like cheesiness. It's it's very hard to make a good holiday album. So again, I can't fault Hillary for it. Um, it's, I, it's more just the Disney of it all. Yeah, I don't hold Santa Claus Lane up there with like Mariah Carey or Michael <laughs> but but no, I mean, I do revisit Santa Claus Lane, I feel like every Christmas. But yeah, some songs I'm just like, okay, what are we doing here? Because so. Santa Claus Lane is like her true first album, like it came up before Metamorphosis or mm-hmm. do yeah. I have that confused? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's tough to come out the gate with like a first album being a holiday album. There are going to be some missteps that are had. I find that some of the things that I found to be like, I wouldn't even say problematic, but just sort of like, mm, upon reflection, like maybe no, were some of the things that were happening in her music videos. I revisited, is it Chasing the Sun? Because it sounds so much like Cheryl Crow's Soaking Up the Sun. I want to call it that, but it's Yeah, it's that. Chasing the Sun. Chasing yeah. the Sun. Um, where like her coworker is like, while she's asleep, putting like <laughs> sunscreen on her, which was like very upsetting. And then she <laughs> throws water on all of her coworkers in the middle of a meeting. And then she's like surprised that she's nearly fired at the end. I was like, okay. Um, and then in the music video for Stranger, she does have like the whole Bollywood thing going on, which, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Mandy Moore in a, a music video uh, around the same time, like a contemporary music video had this similar thing going. So we were all just into that and we can move past it. But those were the things that I was like, that does not hold up well. Yeah. Yeah. A time gone by a different era, but you know, it's one of those things where again with Gypsy, I'm like, Oh no, but it's still her best song. And there are a lot of things in her movies too, where I'm just like, Oh wow. Like, <laughs> like material girls don't even, don't even rewatch that. Just mm. so. <laughs> Although if we are going to talk about a Hillary and Haley Duff, Bob, the material girls remake, and of course oh. our lips are sealed, yes. but the <laughs> yes. material girls, they, they delivered on that. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me get your personalized plan today at noom.com real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I would agree. I Hillary loves a cover. Like I, I came to find out in this research that she loves a cover song. Like she was in an episode of American Dreams where she sings a cover of the Shangri-La's Leader of the Pack, which I was like, huh. And they were just, you could, um, she has... Emily, you told me that she did a cover of a Fleetwood Mac song. Like, oh, she yeah. Just Little Lies. Yeah. going on. Yeah. 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 And then a couple of years ago, um, they did the Third Eye Blind song with Third Eye Blind song with uh, Matthew Coma. So oh. Oh, Never yeah. Let You Go. Yeah. You know, I think I heard it at a Target 
two weeks ago. <laughs> of course. I was like, this is, <laughs> first off, I enjoy a good Third Eye Blind song every once in a while. You know, that that first album still slaps. But um, I was at Target and I heard that song and I was like, wait, this is a Third Eye Blind song. Wait, this is a cover. And was found myself singing along mask on <laughs> and just hoping no one else was in the aisle with all the waste bins because I was having myself a grand old time coffee in hand at 9.45 a.m. on a Friday. Okay, what is it with grocery stores playing some of the best songs? Because that was one great thing about, you know, Mask in the grocery store is I can really sing along to these songs. Yes! And my Kroger, my Kroger played Hillary Duff so yesterday, one day. Uh-huh. It was like early in the pandemic. I mean, I was so excited. I took a video of it. Uh, even with my mask on, I was like, listen to what they're singing or playing. Um, so yes. And now my, my uh, Publix, uh, it play, they play Katy Perry, Never Really Over, like every time I'm in there. And I'm like, this is one of the best pop songs of the past five years. Yes, please. So. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the one place that gets me is the Trader Joe's. Like for whatever reason, sometimes they've got a pretty banging playlist on and I'm just like dancing up a storm. And I think that's when I realized like, you know, I reached the point of no shame in adulthood is when I can just dance and sing along at a random grocery store on any given morning while I'm just trying to find arugula. Like for me, that is the moment in which I've realized all of those years of therapy have paid off because I am so at peace with myself. Absolutely. And I, I did, by the way, when they played So Yesterday at Kroger, I went up to the employees and told them, thank you. So <laughs> thank you for your service, Kroger. Yes, I did. Foot soldiers for the, the Duff cause. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I should have been like, by the way, I have a podcast. Let me plug it. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and drop the podcast at your Kroger's. Yeah. Um, well, on the subject of just recently hearing a lot of Hillary's music recently, and um, she's been talking about potentially returning back to music. She's been, you know, ta- teasing at it in recent interviews since she's been doing a lot of press for How I Met Your Father. Um, I'd love to hear from you both what you think their your predictions would be for our darling Miss Duff's uh, follow up album. Yeah, I try not to get too excited because, <laughs> I mean, wow, she takes her time. Um, and and I don't know. It's so weird. I'm, I'm very much at peace with what happened with Breathe In, Breathe Out and the lack of promo and all that. It's a great album. I love it. But the promo tour, it was three days and it was a disaster. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if she'll attempt sort of a big comeback or do something smaller. I definitely think it will be on a smaller scale. We've been saying Mandy Moore a lot. I feel like what Mandy Moore is doing right now is very, very right for what she needs to be doing as far as not trying to be big and have the number one albums, but just making music for the fans who want to hear it. And there's a demand for a Hillary Duff album. So mm-hmm. I think as far as what sound she'll go for, she'll, likely stick in her stay in her pop lane i think that she was getting experimental with the folky pop stuff but ultimately i don't know if rca was pushing back on that i don't if you guys have heard the unreleased tracks that were supposed to be on the full folk pop album it it really just would not have made for the right album i feel like i think breathe in breathe out what it wound up being was what it needed to be and so you know she went back and 
worked with Tovlo and Matthew Coma to really get those great pop songs that lead the record. Um, so, I mean, I want to see her work with Matthew and I want to see them put out some pop bangers and give us what we want. Give us what we're waiting for. But again, I'm not giving I'm not getting my hopes up. So, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I want to see what her and her husband can come up with. I feel like they have created some strong pop singles before and I'd be interested to see it happen again and also see her team back up with Tovlo and some new other people. I definitely feel like now launching on like a Mandy Moore scale, like you were saying, like a smaller tour, like, you know, an album that's, I wouldn't say self-promoted, but, you know, on a lower hype level that, I don't know, maybe she can have a single. She's so good at this, like have a single in How I Met Your Father. Like I'm kind of waiting for that to happen. And then maybe she could base, because people release a lot of singles before they release an album now, just because of the way that streaming is done. And I feel like Breathe In, Breathe Out might've been like the last album where like streaming wasn't a, a huge contender or like as big a factor as it is now in terms of like counting pure sales or like oh, even yeah. just in terms of like to really gauge where your song is at, like how many people are really listening to it, et cetera, like on streaming charts. So I'd be curious to see how it does. So maybe she could release a few singles, kind of couch them in How I Met Your Father or something else, and then maybe put together an album from there. But I, you know, I wouldn't want to get my hopes up either. I think she's plenty busy, but we'll see. I'm ho- I'm a little optimistic because I feel like enough people have been revisiting her music in the past couple of years that maybe it's sparking in something in her to kind of take a- another look at kind of putting something together, even if it's not what she's used to. So I'd be welcoming of any sort of if she wants to go more pop folk, she wants to just stay pure pop, dance pop, whatever. I'm just curious to see what her music would sound like now. But she did take seven or so years between like dignity and breathe in, breathe out. So like maybe we're finally due for it. Uh, Seven years have definitely passed. Yes. Well, and her daughter Banks is demanding new music, so leave it. Leave it to her to listen to the children. Album. Yeah. Um, I agree with you both. I don't have too much to add other than it is really interesting the parallels between her career and Mandy Moore's careers, Mm -hmm. Um, even down to like who they both ended up with um, in the long run. Like Mandy Moore's husband Taylor Goldsmith is in Dawes, and so like it's interesting that they both ended up with you know musician producer types um, as husbands. And uh, I think honestly, I think it would be even. I know this is complete and utter wishful thinking. I think it could be very fun for the two of them to tour together. Like I would very much enjoy that lineup and I know it will never happen, but in my, 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 you know, the deep uh, chamber of my heart, there is a little bit of hope that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'd pay, I'd pay, I'd pay, I'd pay, I'd pay good money for that. I think. Yeah. You know who else is killing it from there? Well, more from Hillary's time a little after. And they're not with a big label or anything. It's Allie and AJ. Like, look at oh, them. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like Hillary. Mm. Do something like that. Mm. And you know? they t- totally, Hillary and Haley wrote the blueprint for Allie and AJ, I would like to add. Like, the sister yeah. act. Mm. Uh, they are, I, their music is still so catchy. Like, I still listen to Potential Breakup Song on a regular basis like they just again people who probably got whatever criticism back in the day but i'm like this is great pop music do not disrespect yeah no <laughs> hillary needs to put out like an expletive version of one of her old hits like they did for potential breakup song and yes watch it go number one that's, that's right. a great that's a great entry point for her to start at that'd be 
I mean, I feel like that would completely break streaming or at least break millennials. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the subject of uh, How I Met Your Father, because we mentioned it earlier uh, briefly, have either of you watched the show? And if so, what are your thoughts about it all? Oh, well, I've only watched it a few times through. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so... I'll give I'll give my brief thoughts. I have recorded the Deaf Enough episode about season one, and I'm editing that right now. So that'll mm. probably be coming out around the same time as this episode. Lovely. And so so a little cross promo. But I think for me, I had to really accept that, like, okay, this is what kind of show we are doing. We are doing this classic sitcom style, which is not my favorite. I'm way more into the younger kind of show, like mm-hmm. Sex in the City. That's my jam. Mm-hmm. So it, it took some adjusting for me to to see, to kind of fall in love with a different style, uh, to see Hillary on something, something different there. But... I mean, it was hit or miss, I think. Like some of the episodes, I was like, oh, I really enjoyed that one. And that was really heartfelt and sweet. And then some, I did not enjoy as much. I thought that some of the storylines were a little too cheesy. Uh, Overall, though, I enjoyed the twists and turns and kind of clever way that they're wrapping everything up and making us guess who the father was. It took a minute for me to actually care who the father was Mm -hmm. going to be. But as far as Hillary, like this is... This is the kind of role that people love to see her in, and therefore, I think it works. Of course, I wanted adult Lizzie, but if if we had to have something else, this is close enough. Her character's name is Sophie, and it's basically Sophie McGuire. So <laughs> those are just a few thoughts. I haven't watched it. Not to keep yes ending wit, but I, I'm i not a big on a sitcom format. I barely really enjoyed How I Met Your Mother. I, I thought it was like the best you could do in a sitcom format. But yeah, I'm more into a younger. I would have loved a spinoff with her character from younger. But I mean, How I Met Your Father also employs Kim Cattrall. So there's your nice like Sex in the City crossover. I, I'm happy for everybody on the show, but I'm not watching that. But you know, congrats. And it got renewed. So I assume they're doing something right over there. But yeah, it's it's wild to me how big of a success it's been. I guess there's just an audience for that classic sitcom. I didn't I didn't know, but it's there. Yeah, I think there is a resurgence of like classic sitcom style being like kind of comforting. Right oh now, yeah, comfort show. Yeah. Right. And I think because it is like a better written than most sitcoms, like it, for some people it's tolerable and maybe it'll find its footing and there'll be more good episodes and there were kind of like ugh, episodes next season. It sounds like maybe it, they kind of get there towards the end. But yeah, it's not my favorite format uh, unless it starts being talked about more. Or I get like a convincing reason to watch it. I, there's so there's too much TV, to be honest. <laughs> I yeah. I'm in between you both in that I've watched a few of the episodes. I haven't watched the whole season, but I've watched a few here and there. And again, to both your point, this is one of those, like, I really wish they hadn't done traditional sitcom with a laugh track and all that, especially given that it's a Hulu show. Hulu, this is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time I've seen a Hulu show that's a traditional sitcom. Is it, do you know who yeah. it's produced by? Because sometimes what'll end up happening, like what happened oh, the on the studio. Mindy Project, it's yeah. like the studio that produces it. So like if it's CBS produced, but they only have the distribution rights go to Hulu, that could be why it's like that. 
Or maybe Hulu is truly just trying something different. I have no I idea. am looking it up as we speak. So, so it's 20th century TV, uh, which is really interesting mm-hmm. um, because that's, of course, Disney owned and Disney owns Hulu mostly. So, yeah, I mm. would have loved for them to go the young Sheldon route and do do a, a single cam version. But, you know, they want to bring back the originals because it is a sequel to How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. And I guess they feel like that wouldn't work to see those characters in a different way. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not a fan of the, it, the multicam. It is very interesting that um, I always think about what the original. So this how I met your father was going to be how I met your dad about 10 years ago at this point with Greta Gerwig. Um, and obviously that pilot never got ordered, um, to air. And what's interesting with that is obviously the trajectory of Greta Gerwig's career changed drastically after this. I mean, she was in a few movies. Um, but after that, she really did kind of pivot towards the directing field. Um, it is interesting to me, um, as Hillary Duff continues this career, her career, I wonder if she will make the switch at one point to doing some stuff behind the camera. Um, I think she could be really good because she is a former child star and has like that understanding. Like Fred Savage is a great example of this. He is someone who's gone on to do a lot of directing of sitcoms. Um, and I think he, from the shows that I have watched, he's directed several episodes of How I Met Your Mother um, and a lot of other sitcoms that I watched. Or not How I Met Your Mother. I'm so sorry. Happy Endings um, mm-hmm. and other shows that I really love. And I've always liked the shows that he directs. So I would kind of love to see Hillary. She's a great actress, obviously. Really enjoy her um, whenever I get have a chance to see her in something. But I would also love to see if she would ever be interested in doing something behind the scenes. I think she would. I remember... At one point during the filming of Younger, she posted like, I don't know, I think it was a director's chair photo. And she was like, one day, maybe. So I definitely think there's a dream there for her at some point. It might be something small to start out with. Like if she comes back and does some music videos, I think it would be amazing to see her direct her own music video, like Taylor Swift style. Um, But no, even a show would be great, too. So, And it wouldn't even have to be her show. It could be a totally different show. So. Right. Something I wouldn't even know what to suggest, but some some other comedy like Dollface since we're on the Hulu train. <laughs> yeah. A show that maybe Hillary would have been better on than How I Met Your Father. But we'll take what we can get, I guess. Do you think yeah. she'll ever go back to movies? I don't know. I hope if she does, I hope she picks the right ones. I mean, look at Lindsay Lohan now getting in with Netflix. And I, I think... People would love to see Hillary back in some rom-coms. Oh my As gosh, for me, yeah. yeah. And I would I would like that. But I also want to see Hillary do something else. Mm-hmm. And there are so many movies now where I'm like, God, this could be Hillary. It was What was the movie? It was nominated for some Oscars this year that Dakota Johnson was in. Oh, um, The Last Daughter. Yeah. And I was, you know, not that Hillary would be in a movie like that. But I was like, you know, Hillary could have been this Dakota Johnson character. I think. I feel like maybe. And even with Only Murders in the building with selena gomez i'm like hillary could do something at this level yeah you know so i want to see something different if she does go back to movies a little prestige she's funny when she's like plays outside her her normal typecast role like in community when she was Hmm. um in that one episode um 
she was very funny playing like the mean girl. Like I actually really enjoyed seeing her in that, um, in that, uh, angle. So like, I would love to just see, she has the range. It's just a matter of a studio stop being cowards, Hulu and everyone (laughs) else give this girl the role that she deserves. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like how I met your father is a stepping stone to getting there. We're, we're taking baby steps, but we're getting there. I mean, look at Mandy. We're keep, we keep plugging Mandy Moore, but look at Mandy (laughs) Moore and this is us. Like Hillary's, role is coming and i think that even though younger it was a big success and a critical success and she was on that show i don't know if enough people caught wind of her being on it to to really transition into like ooh i'm adult star now and we're taking her seriously but even with just how i met your father maybe critics aren't loving it but they are praising hillary and it's like oh well this girl is bankable let's at least give her a chance and put her in our movie for the sake of like we're going to get money out off of her being in this. So the time is coming, I think. I think so. I think she's got also, I know we keep saying Mandy Moore, but I think she also has a little bit of like a Sarah Michelle Gellar-esque quality to her in the sense that I feel like in retrospect, people people give her more credit for her acting abilities than they do in like real time. And it's finally starting to catch up of like, oh, well, like she has so much nuance or she's so funny or she's great in these roles. Mm-hmm. And they're giving her more credit for it. I feel like that's a nice thing to see happening. And I want and I know that people are doing that with her music, too. And so I hope all of this is like you were saying, stepping stones towards newer other different things that are in these two arenas for her yeah we've come back around to hillary now being recognized as an icon and the icon Mm -hmm. that she is it just it takes time and so so that's kind of where we're at now i think people will start giving her more of a chance and i think that she will go out for different roles at some point um but yeah it's just a timing thing i think you know totally On that note, you know, I think we've talked quite a bit about our Queen Hillary. Um, Before we end it for today, I wanted to see if any of you had any final points or anything that you felt like we needed to cover that we didn't. Oh, well, I definitely want to hear your thoughts really quick on the Lizzie McGuire reboot. And oh, you've come to the right place, Wit. Oh, boy. Yeah, hold on. Let me readjust and get comfortable. Cracking my knuckles as we speak. Um, yeah, I mean, we we had a Lizzie McGuire episode a couple seasons back, and I think that news had just hit, so we were not fully processed. But I think now, now that we've processed, we had some space, I think Emily and I just grow more furious by the day that it never came out at all. We see no reason at all for it to have been treated the way that it was, shelved after they had shot three episodes. It really it felt like it was going to be Lizzie McGuire, Sex and the City. Everybody wanted to watch it. And the more information that leaked out after it got canceled, the more, how do you not get more and more infuriating? Like, she's obviously a seminal pop culture figure. It is the ending that she deserved as an adult. But the fact that they refused to let her grow up is so infuriating. But that that's just my two cents, Emily. No, I mean, I you you said it best. Like, honestly, the fact that we cannot agree that uh, a 30-year-old woman living in New York City wouldn't be having sex like most adults is <laughs> boggling to the mind. And honestly, I don't think anyone was looking to watch this show with their children. Like, right. this was meant strictly – this was our thing. Our, like, three of us and our, our fellow millennials, this was, this was supposed to be our thing. And – and I feel like they had it in their head that they could not ruin this precious, um, what, whatever you want to call it, um, 
intellectual property. I don't know what, but like. Oh, that's a good point because the mouse is very caught up in like IP and like yes. its legacy and what's it going to do and can they tent pull this? Because I I truly see no reason why it couldn't have been like a limited series, like one season, like Adult Lizzie, cap it out or turn it into a movie and just put it on Hulu and that's it, like a TV movie. Like what harm does that do? Yeah, it was all tied into a big branding issue. They were not mm-hmm. going to let go of it being Disney's Lizzie McGuire. Like that was the whole thing. And I I don't know. I have tons of thoughts on it too, but you guys have really said what needs to be said, honestly. Although I do want I have not cursed on your podcast and you said that I could and I bleeped <laughs> this out in my podcast episode. I did like an emergency podcast whenever this all sort of this all fell apart. But fuck Disney Plus. Okay. Come on. <laughs> yes. Welcome. Like the we, we welcome it's, that. It's misogyny. It's everything. I it's could, everything. man, it's everything. I mean, in a sea of just your other big child star at that time, Shia LaBeouf, is nothing but problematic on steroids. Let Lizzie have sex, all right? Let yeah. Lizzie have sex. And it was going to be mild, if anything. Right. It was not going to be some R-rated show. No, yeah, it's so. not. You know, it's Disney Plus. Like, how bad could it be? But it really, I mean, even just like peak patriarchy when you were like, it, it's because of the Disney Plus, the branding of like Disney's Lizzie McGuire. We need to protect it at all costs, even if it means sacrificing creative integrity. I, I, I'm just happy that. Everyone on board, the creator, um, what was her name? Um, Terry Minsky. Terry Minsky walked, you know, I'm glad that Hillary Duff walked. I'm glad that everyone decided we would rather pull the plug on this than to try to cave into these demands. Yeah, I felt the same way. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that's another thing where it's timing, where it might not have been the right time. But for me, that was the right time. Like, yes. Lizzie McGuire, as a 30-year-old, before she's a mom, we've had all these other shows like Fuller House and, and Raven's Home, where we've had to watch these actors who were child stars when we were kids now be parents. And it's just, it's not what we wanted. And then here's what Lizzie is the perfect one to try something different. And they didn't do it. And now iCarly's doing it. And I it's just, eh, it could have been better with Lizzie. So. Yeah, I don't know if iCarly can kind of cross generations the way that Lizzie McGuire can. No. I, I, I liked iCarly, but it missed me. I only caught it because of babysitting. And I hear it's very funny and like pretty well written and they do some good references. But I, I do agree that like Lizzie McGuire in New York City, it wasn't because there's also like a sitcom aspect to iCarly, like at least from the parts that I have watched or like the trailer that I watched, it looks very sitcom-y. And I, oh, yeah. I love the single cam idea of maintaining that from Lizzie McGuire. Originally, that's what made it stand out as a Disney show to begin with was that it was a single cam show. There was or a, a single cam show. There was no, it wasn't a sitcom. She was like out in real locations doing stuff. And I mean, that's kind of like part of the appeal. It's like her being single and like, dating people and having casual sex like kind of is like an afterthought it's more like seeing lizzie mcguire live her life now it's like it's like a warm hug and they totally ripped that away from us yeah and again i mean it was gonna be mild and you see you see the photos and she's like running around with a big lot like stuffed animal llama it was not going to be that bad yeah no and i don't know how in the loop y'all are about like who who they had cast and all that but Man, I don't do. Do y'all watch the show um, Good Trouble on its Freeform? And Mm-mm. no, okay. Where, did they well, anyway, from that show, I think I think her fiance was is one of the 
the actors on that show. It was going to be great. Lizzie was Lizzie was really doing well, guys. So although he was apparently cheating on her, that was the storyline. Oh right. right, yeah, yeah. So, but you know, and I even love that they brought back the original actors. Like I was really excited to see Adam Goldberg mm-hmm. and like um and see um just like her parents and her brother. Like I don't know, it's just again a really missed opportunity. Um, that could have been a really great show. And all I have to say is to those unreleased episodes. Release them to the world, you cowards. Give us <laughs> what we want and I let know. us be. I hope somebody leaks them. Oh, please. One day. Yeah. One day. We will torrent yeah. the shit out of it. <laughs> I mean, I still think about it every single day, honestly. Yeah. And that's sad, but I do. No. I think about it every day. There's no Look, shame in that. I have a screenshot from a production still of her doing the Liz McGuire show and she has this yellow coat on because I want the whole outfit and it's still on my phone and I won't delete it. So I think about it often as well. You're not alone. Yeah, I know. Mm. And how I met your father, it's like just a tease of what could have been. Right. So mm. anyway, well, on that note, I think that this was a fantastic discussion. I'm so glad we got to talk about Hillary and that we just like, I'm leaving this though bittersweet. We ended on a slightly bittersweet note. I think it's great to hear that, you know, both of us, both all of us being hosts of podcasts, like that we're not alone in our feelings and that we want nothing but the best for our girl. Um, to just, you know, have a great career because she deserves it. Before we end our episode today, Wit, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Oh, well, of course. So, yes, (laughs) you can check out Duff Enough on any streaming service that you have, the streaming service of your choice. It is Duff Enough, and Enough is spelled the regular way. And then we're on social media. It's Duff Enough Pod. And, you know, just a little bit about the podcast. There's about 40 episodes, and I revisit all of Hillary's career highlights. We go movie by movie. We do TV shows. We do every episode of Lizzie McGuire. And we did Younger. We're going to do How I Met Your Father. So it's a good time. If you love Hillary Duff, you should definitely check it out. It's a nice nostalgia trip. But I think it works for the hardcore fans. It works for the casual fans. And, you know, I love Hillary Duff and I love talking about her. And so why not make a podcast about her? So that's what Duff Enough is. Check it out. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Wit, for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. Thank you guys so much for having me. Of Had course. a great time. Thanks, Wit. And definitely check out Duff Enough Podcast if you have if you had any inkling of wanting to learn more about each and every individual album. We, we really love his podcast, and we're so happy he joined us with his expertise today. Yeah. Apparently, I need to make a Mandy Moore podcast now, too. Uh, I didn't clearly. realize yeah. I was such a big Mandy Moore fan. <laughs> Well, thank you everyone for listening to our wonderful episode. If you like what you heard, you can join our Old Millennial Cinematic Universe on Patreon uh, for $5 a month. We post lots of fun bonus content, usually two episodes or one episode and some written content, but you're just always going to get some great stuff on the latest and greatest that we've been watching. Um, And we don't limit it to just 2000s and 90s. We just talk about really any of the latest uh, scammer um, (laughs) miniseries that are streaming because they are a plenty at this moment. But we understand that sometimes you can't afford that and that's okay. But if you really want to help us out, we always love it if you can give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Um, But you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And we are at The Old Millennials Pod. And individually, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Emily A. Beijing. I'm at Marg, she wrote. 
And until next time, we say bye-bye. Bye.